I can do things that wet without asking anybody, even my Coney wife. Coney Island, world's biggest barrel of fun. Anywhere else your imagination takes you. Okay, we've done that now, Mark. You get the whole show now, you hurry, hurry, hurry. Anything's possible at Disneyland. Welcome aboard the Themed Attraction Podcast, where we take you for a ride. Through the fascinating world of theme park design, that is. You've just cast off with us on a voyage of discovery and discussion with theme park industry masters of the craft. I'm your skipper, Freddie Martin, and floating the river with me, as always, is theme park designer, master planner, and chief creative officer of Storyland Studios, Mel McGowan. What's around the river bend for us today, Mel? Brady, I'm excited to introduce one of our Storyland Studios creative directors, Mike Schwalm. Uh, Mike was previously a creative designer for Walt Disney Imagineering, working with uh, some guys like James Cameron, Joe Rohde, uh, to bring the immersive Nobody's. worlds of uh, Pandora, the world of Avatar, uh, and the Marvel portfolio to life. Uh, he also worked on concept development for the Indiana Jones theme bar at Disney Springs, the Happily Ever After Nighttime Spectacular, uh, Port Aventura's Ferrari Land, and uh, on and on and on. Um, I am a fan of his, and uh, we, we've loved the creative collaborations we've had together. Me too. You know, I grew up sketching worlds and places I want to visit, so it's so cool for me to meet Mike and see how his illustrations went from design dreams to reality. All right, folks, keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the boat, because this episode is about to leave the dock. Hit it, Sam. Mel, one of the things that I treasure most in my life is something that my wife doesn't treasure. It's this bunch of boxes that are in the back of the garage at our house that is filled with all of the illustrations that I did as a kid growing up into college. Um, I have just piles and piles of things that are I cherish. To me, they're the, mo- the best drawings that <laughs> have ever been made, um, but really they've, they've gotten me nowhere. Um, and today I'm excited that we get to talk about Mike Schwalm. He is a really talented uh, illustrator, and just to see the beautiful worlds that he's drawn just really fascinates me. So he's, he's going to be a great guest. You know, he is, and he's unique too, because there's not a lot of uh, uh, fine artists, illustrators that make that transition uh, into the world of uh, getting to actually be creative directors. Um, and, you know, if I, if you think about a lot, I think a lot of fans out there kind of make the mistake of thinking that the power is just purely in the pencil. Yeah, that, right. You know, uh, they might think of, uh, of kind of guys like Herbie Ryman, you know, that just right. true genius, obvious. But, um, but, what they don't understand is there's very few uh, creative leads that that happen to be first and foremost trained as fine artists. So you know when you have a Joe Rody or a Tony Baxter who can draw and paint pretty pretty, pretty well, well. Uh, but at the end of the day that that still wasn't their foray, their entree, their their education or their background. Um, it's it's something they've picked up over the years to convey ideas and stories. But yeah. Herbie Ryman without Walt Disney over his shoulder as essentially the creative director, uh, you know that that's the unique and powerful pairing and stuff. And, and again, Mike's just such a great and unique guy. 
uh, because I mean, I love the story of him just getting uh, contracted to do a simple uh, wall map, but yeah. then having needing to force himself to go back through and and uh, you know creating a, a backstory and a name and a oh and yeah a, for every ride show attraction it reminds me of uh, again my my pile of drawings as a kid you know <laughs> uh, of the the lost theme parks yeah and the the um, the sort of idea of uh, being taking something that somebody else is asking you to do instead of you uh, coming up with the ideas all on your own is is a challenge. And we're going to get into that with Mike a, a little bit here in the interview. Um, what uh, gets me excited also about this is that he has made that leap um, into be, being a creative director. So you bring those painterly qualities, those that illustrative uh, design eye, um, which then uh, gets to leap into the real world. And so here's a here's a guy that can be an inspiration to a lot of people. Amen. All right. Well, uh, we got a lot of river to cover today with Mike. So let's head back to the Blue Sky Loft at Storyland Studios with our guest, Mike Schwalm. Hey, Mike. Awesome to uh, have you join uh, the podcast today. You're actually our very first, uh, to, did I recall, uh, Storyland Studios team member that we've had into the podcast. So welcome aboard. Woot. <laughs> well, yeah, glad. Cool. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Definitely glad to have you. Um, it's exciting to kind of uh, see some of the things that you've worked on uh, here at Storyland as well. I always uh, get such a kick. We were just looking out over the uh, uh, the workshop and seeing some of those really oh, yeah. cool projects that people get to make uh, when uh, when they come around here. It's cool. Right. And trying to figure out what things are when they're in progress. <laughs> like, is that right. a giant piece of pink cheese? <laughs> it very possibly is a giant piece of pink cheese out there in the workhouse right now but who knows it could be it some could sort be of part of a dragon i have no idea <laughs> it could be <laughs> cheesy dragons well um you my friend have uh, had quite a, a journey in your relatively young life yes. uh, you still got a pretty good head of hair on you so uh <laughs> thank you uh, many chapters to it's, be written but going man, away, though. alive what a what a road you've been on already yeah it's been it's been fun worked a lot of worked a lot of different places but enjoyed all of them. And I like bouncing around and, and figuring stuff out as I go and making things up as I go. And so, yeah, it's great. Well, catch me up. Uh, tell me uh, how you got in, started in the industry and uh, uh, stop about right when you, you were hitting your, uh, <laughs> when you're hitting your pace. And okay. then, uh, and then we'll start talking about where you've been the last 10 or so years. So. Okay. All right. So I've wanted to design theme park rides since I was a little kid. Oh, I yeah. was obsessed with Disneyland. All I did when Southern I was, California kid. Yeah. Oh, no, I grew up in New Mexico, but my dad worked out in California for a while. And so we'd come visit him a lot on business and he would always take us to Disneyland and he loved Disneyland and loved running around on Tom Sawyer Island and all yeah. that. So, um, yeah, loved, loved Disneyland, spent all my free time as a child. I was homeschooled for a good chunk of time. So I spent most, most of that time building models of theme park rides and theme parks and having a blast doing that. And then, in college, I ended up doing the Disney World College program and worked at Rock and Roller Coaster and oh, nice. was just asking everybody I knew, just <laughs> hourly cast members, being like, how do you become an Imagineer? What do you have to do? <laughs> uh, and nobody knew because there's 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 no real road. It's kind of a big divide between right. yeah. Disney <laughs> and it's like, world cast members, especially. Totally. In and then I ended up studying set and went back to school and, and ended up studying set design for theater and uh, illustration in grad school. And uh, after grad school, I got internship with 
Imagineering directly. Mm. Grad school was interesting because I went to a little school called the Portfolio Center, and it's primarily design, but they have a little illustration program, and I just remember for all of my projects, I would always be bugging my teachers uh, if I could turn it into a theme park-related thing. <laughs> and then after a while, everybody just kind of knew what I was up to, and then I was like, fine, do whatever you want. And so when I was done with the Portfolio Center, I, I had a really, I had a cool-looking theme park portfolio, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and all of my projects were theme park-related in some way, shape, or form. So it was really fun to be able to take that to Imagineering. I, I, there, I had a connection through the school who had a job there, and she got me an interview. And they really liked my portfolio because uh, it had a story running throughout the whole thing. And it was cheesy and kind of like Wizard of Oz, but I was shipwrecked on the island of my imagination and I was exploring and it was encountering all the different projects I had worked on. And I had connected them all together in different lands and whatnot. And then at the end of my portfolio, uh, I... I was trying to figure out what to do within the story. And it turns out as I had explored my imagination, my imagination had grown. And so there was this, all this unexplored territory. Oh, so nice. my portfolio ended with me heading off into the unexplored territory and my imagination, the uncharted part of the map. And so when I interviewed, I gave everyone at Imagineering, I printed out on papyrus. I did this really cool uh, pencil sketch of my imagination, uh, the island, which is like a theme yeah. park basically. Yeah. And uh, I handed that to everybody in the room. Room, and it would print it out on papyrus, like this really cool, old-looking papyrus. So every, Not in the was, font, but in no, the actual no, no. paper. Oh, yeah. but I do love the font. Sorry. Um, <laughs> You're the last person standing that loves the papyrus font. I think I'm just I'm holding out as long as I can. Um, but uh, We're both going to bring back the red. <laughs> yes. Papyrus font. Yes. Uh, and so that that was that was really cool uh, to be able to hand that to them, and I think they told me later that I got the internship because they loved that my portfolio mm-hmm. was a story, and I remember being so nervous presenting it to them, uh, and and they kind of were in the mood to hear the story bits, but they mostly just wanted to see the project. <laughs> right. So I got halfway through, and they're kind of like, "All right, speed it up a bit," yeah. but they still appreciated <laughs> what I was trying to do, and and I like stopped everyone and made sure I read the end of the story. Oh, that's uh, that's- that's- that's so. really cool. I'd love to see that someday. You still have it? Yeah, I do. And I look at it every once in a while and I'm just like, wow, it's so bad. All of it's so bad. <laughs> yeah. I've come a long way in a short period of time. So on the on the Disney uh, chapter, yeah, um, got to work with some fun people and fun projects. Yes. Uh, I, had a, I, had a, I had a blast working in Florida as an intern at a really cool group of interns I was with and uh primarily working on all the next-gen stuff that was coming to Disney World, designing a lot of the little kiosks and touch points and all this stuff to help implement that new system. But I also got to work on the downtown Disney, uh, the downtown, a lot of the stuff coming to downtown Disney, including the Indiana Jones bar, Jock's bar. Oh, yeah. uh, I just got to do some early concept art for that, and that was super fun, and I really enjoyed doing that. And then that was the first art of mine that ever got released was the concept pieces for, for Jock's hangar bar. And... I just remember being so excited because I spent my whole life looking at all that art that, yeah. you know, all the theme park art, nerding out about that. And that's always been my favorite kind of art. And so uh, getting some of that released when the when the new bar was going to open was just so exciting for me. And what an interesting thing doing kind of a, something that would be of the caliber of an IP to be yeah. in Berm, in park, but doing that in Disney Springs in an ungated you yeah. know, I know the challenge of doing kind of the, the differences in budget, right, scope right. and scale, um, right. but still <laughs> to put you in that in that world is pretty cool. And it turned out super 
cool for 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 as much as stuff gets value engineered and whatever else. Because yeah. initially no, you're we, there. we were gonna have the big the plane, the C three PO, you know, Jock's plane from Rage of the Lost Ark <laughs> was gonna be hanging up above in the garage as if it was being worked on. Yeah. And then that got value engineered, but it was still gonna be there. It was gonna be outside in the water because it was at one of the, one of those pontoon boats. Is yeah. that what they're called? Like a water yeah. boat. And then, and then eventually that got cut. So no boats, but there's plenty of pictures of it, I think, in that, <laughs> in that bar. So that, that counts. Story is still there. Yes, the story is still there. Yeah, that is one of the most detailed um, places that you can go to. I, you know, it, it rivals Trader Sam's um, with the amount of stuff that's in that that bar. It just brings story all the way through. And, and that's all the that was the prop guy. I think Nathaniel Gerhardt is mm. his name. And I think he still works at WJ. He might be working on Star Wars land mm. right now. But yeah, he was he's a rock star. And he he did so many fun, like so many references to little Indiana Jones video games, like video oh, game really? stuff and, and all of the extended universe of books. Like you wouldn't even begin yeah. to get all the references <laughs> that are in there. It was, he did an insane amount of work. He did a really good job. It's yeah, really I easy mean, for it's, me it's, to just Photoshop a whole bunch of things. Yeah, right, right. Right. He has you to go find it. all the yeah, things and like make sure they all make sense. Yeah, so right. yeah, he did a great job. It definitely as um, pretty much as immersive as any in-park, um, dining, certainly dining environment. Right. For sure. For sure. So then you stumbled, uh, uh, darkened the door of uh, when Joe Rody at some point uh, in the well, sojourn. Yeah, that story was uh, Alex Wright was also working in Florida, and he was an art director at the time for for the Pandora, the Avatar, uh, the Avatar ride, I think. Yeah, for the boat ride. And so I was a couple cubicles down from him, and as these things work, uh, I would just always be bugging him and, and asking him, what, what's he working on and what are you doing and can I see some of it? And I knew he was working on the Avatar stuff. And I was a total Avatar fanboy. Uh, I just I thought it was such a fun movie. I loved it for, <laughs> for a costume party in grad school. I wore a loin. I painted myself blue and wore a loincloth. Oh, nice. And I had like the I braid can, and everything. I knew you existed. Yeah, I knew. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. That's I'm totally that, I'm totally that guy. And so I think you got he, the hype for it. Yeah, I know. So yeah, being six foot four helps. Um, but I think he was super, <laughs> super excited. My enthusiasm for it. Anytime he showed me anything that they were doing, yeah. I think he was like, right, right, right. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool! All the <laughs> stuff and the creatures and the Thanator and the this and that. And so um, as I became available to to help with stuff, he. Uh, he had me just do a couple little things on the side here and there and then started showing them to the team in California because he was going out to California all the time. And so he started sharing stuff with the team out in California, showing them what I was doing. And a lot of it was just designing new plants that were in the movies and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I was just in heaven doing that. I just was so excited to be oh, doing You're that. like in heaven designing heaven, yeah. basically. Yeah, totally, <laughs> Pandora, totally. Yeah. Yes, like the most beautiful place in the world. And so uh, he started showing that stuff to the, the Florida people and uh, they needed a concept designer on it, and so they started they started flying me out because they didn't have anybody working on it in California for one reason or another, and it made financial sense to to fly me out there and uh, work on it. So they started flying me out there for a couple of weeks at a time. And I remember when he first was telling me that that was, might be a possibility, uh, even just like for a week. I was losing my mind. I was going to get to meet Joe Rody, who is my hero uh, as a child. And uh, um, right before I went out there, I was visiting my family in Virginia, and we were running along the Potomac, and I caught my foot between two rocks. And uh, like, like 
fell sideways oh. and cracked my ankle. And so my first, you know, going to Florida for the first, or going to California for the first time, I was so excited, but I was just on crutches and, oh. and uh, I had a boot and I was the guy in crutches. And every time I went anywhere in our building, you could just hear me like kachunk, kachunk, <laughs> kachunk. So everybody always knew where I was. And, uh, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun, but it was a silly thing. And eventually that boot and those, um, those, uh, the, the crutches, I built a banshee totem in my, cause in, in the land, you know, there are those big totems everywhere and we were designing all these banshee totems yeah. and this and that. So I built a big banshee totem in my cubicle that you could see from anywhere in the office, uh, <laughs> with the boot was the head nice. and then the wings were the crutches and oh, I like wow. tied it up to this big post and then I hung tchotchkes all over it, like plastic forks and whatnot. So it felt like one of the avatar That's totems. Great. Yeah. So that was funny. <laughs> so tell me about how an assignment comes to you in that situation, what was the assignment come, and then where 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 do you your where does your creativity end, and the the demand uh, the assignment begin, or where do they meet? So everything usually came to me through Alex, so he was the art director, right? So he would be working he'd be working more with uh, the creative director of the of the park and Joe. So he interacted with Joe a lot. Every time I saw Joe, I'd try to not nerd out. Uh, or fanboy, <laughs> fanboy out, and eventually it was great because we we developed a, a good relationship, and he was just kind of my boss, and and I liked that. But it took me a while to like get over <laughs> my fanboy nervousness. Um, but uh, uh, everything was through Alex. So Alex would I do a ton of sketches for whatever it was we needed to, to develop, like a new new scene in the boat ride, or a new creature, or a new idea, and he would take that to the meetings, and then come back to me with the feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was usually it was a little too much. Like, I mean, like <laughs> take it down, take it down a couple notches, a little less lens, a few less lens flares. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, guilty. Yeah, working with him, and then and then other groups, other groups that were there started using me for stuff. I think initially they were using me for just area development stuff because I needed to design new plants and all the bridges and just like little little details in the land. And then I got roped into more and more of the boat ride and then parts of the e-ticket. And I was just the only person there they had doing any sort of creative development uh, on, on the visual side uh, that could kind of do these quick sketches and quick photo bashes. And so everybody just started using me for everything. So I had a little bit of hand in a lot of things. Which was which was cool. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. I don't know if that Absolutely. was. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm what are can- we talking? Where, <laughs> Where are we here? <laughs> well, tell me first impressions. Stepping through the portal of the the finished deal. Oh my gosh, it was it was awesome. Well, yeah, I, I by by the time I opened, I had actually I'd already gotten the job at Mousetrap, and it worked. At, had been there for a while before I got to go, but I got to go with my my wife, and and it was so yeah, it's just surreal. What knowing every last thing about everything, and I I think I I put a PDF together to show my wife, and I think she got over it after the first probably twenty minutes that we were there. But I'd be like, look at here's the picture of this when I drew that thing, and then like we walked around the corner, I'm like, oh yeah, here's the drawings I did of this, here's the drawings I did of this. I designed this plant, I designed this thing over here. I, this was my idea, that was my idea. And she you was know. over it. Yeah, and after a while, she's like, okay, cool, we'll put that yeah. away. Let's just walk. Around. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. And you mentioned Mousetrap. Darren's a mutual friend, yeah. and we're we're definitely going to have him on a uh, an upcoming episode, and uh, definitely some pretty unique work you got to work on there, for right? Digital design, um, and then we also have a shared affinity for these uh, these little superheroes. Yes. Uh, called the Avengers. Yes. <laughs> in Marvel. Is yeah. that is that go back to? That's how I learned how to read. I don't know about you. Right. How, far, <laughs> how far does that interest go? Uh, 
I read all. I was I was all were about Spider Man. guy? No, or, I was oh, all about Spider Man. Okay. He was the only one that I ever really knew about. Now, were you like um, back to the Electric Company version of Spider Man? Oh man, I love the Electric Company. Oh, version I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's so. great. That's, that's great. Okay. Way Gen X <laughs> reference. Um, I had all the original comic books, and I read through, or I had like the big volumes of all the original comic books, and I read through a lot of those, which awesome. was a lot of fun. And uh, at WDI, I got to work on some of the early development for some of the Marvel stuff, which was super fun. Uh, How do you tell a story when people listen with more than their ears? Stories change lives. They make us remember, but only when they are felt and not just heard. Storyland Studios builds the impossible. We turn big ideas into reality. We tell stories in three dimensions to stir the senses so you can walk into places you've only seen in your dreams, in real life and real time. Storyland's artists, architects, and artisans take stories out of the imagination and build tangible dreams that leave lasting impressions and memories that endure for years. What's your story? Storyland Studios is themed entertainment, destination design, production, and fabrication. Connect with the team at Storyland Studios to get started building your impossible dream today. Visit StorylandStudios.com or call now. 800-218-1932. That's 800-218-1932. Storyland Studios, your big idea's best ally. Um, yeah, and so then we're working on the Avengers stuff now at Storyland, which is cool because I worked on this thing a few years ago, and now I'm working on round two, yeah. but like in 2. a totally 0. at yeah. a different point, working for a different place, and so it's funny how this stuff works. Yeah, well, I would love to you know get your compare contrast working with kind of the the Motley crew that we've got here, and um, you know some of the projects like that you're working on currently. Uh, we've got kind of a unique take on the the blue sky. Um, process that I, I know is uh, much expedited <laughs> given some of the some of the different scopes and scale that we're able to work with particularly in the nonprofit sectors which I think is is cool because as hard as it is so yeah the, the way we the way we do things is usually we, we meet with a group we, we meet with a group and right now it's it's a it's a nonprofit in Fairfax uh, Fairfax, Virginia. So we were just out there last week meeting with them and we're working on a kids area for them and then doing some other sort of beautification stuff. But uh, so we have a week and a half to deliver this package, sort of presenting what what we what what we're looking to do for them, and it's such a quick turnaround. It's unlike anything any anything else I've ever done before. Because a lot of times, it, it's it, blue sky can be a really long process, right. and you spend a lot of time spinning your wheels. And it's like the more time you have the more the more like weird roads you can go down that don't lead anywhere but i feel like when you only have a week and a half to deliver one of these packages your gut kind of kicks in and 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 you just you just go with it and then i think you kind of end up creating some really cool stuff just because you have to and you have to rely on instinct and you don't have time to so, like, no get, analysis paralysis right totally. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, that's totally what I'm looking for because w- when you do have the time to do the analysis paralysis you're like well I'm going to do 1500 versions yeah. of what this sign could look like because yeah. I have the time <laughs> as opposed to like nope one I, want, I have 30 seconds to figure out what the sign looks like so it's going to look like this and that's all yeah um, 
but uh, it's a fun, it's a fun process, and I like it a lot. So I'm in the middle of it right now, and I'm a little stressed out that Mel asked me to do this because I don't have time. I have a week <laughs> to do this. Why are you asking me right now? Um, but uh, no, it's good. I, I got to, it's, I, it's fine. Everything's fine. But I got to work on it some last night at home, and and I'll, I'll head into the office after this and, and well, uh, keep working again, on it. Tell us about that kind of. Um, site-specific kind of uh, cultural download, cultural anthropology, you know, kind of that process of distilling, like the importance of being kind of in the context, in the, in the neighborhood, and, as and, opposed and to also doing just it from California. Meeting with the people face-to-face. But yeah, yeah Fairfax, Virginia, so they, 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 currently this, this group is in a really old building, and uh, they're moving to a big new building that's under construction right now, so we got to go walk the site, and it's in, it's in Fairfax, Virginia, so close to the Potomac, so that's an important aspect of, of what's going on with them and, and what they want to kind of incorporate that kind of feel into especially their, their kids' ministry. They definitely want the adult areas to feel hip and modern, uh, but for the kids' ministry, they wanted it to feel a little more sort of adventure on the Potomac thing. And so, uh, like we were just chatting about uh, before the podcast, uh, they uh, there's this artist that I really love that I always want to use for anything just because I think he's great and his, his, he's Joey Chu and uh, I think he works for Sony but his his he's done some freelance for, for Disney I think he helped redesign the small world in Tokyo mm-hmm. so he totally has that Mary Blair style yeah. but I think just amped up to a, a hundred thousand and I just love <laughs> his art it's so cool looking so anyway we're talking about this this Potomac thing for their for their kids area and and I was just like sending I was sending uh, uh, Dwayne who's working on this with me he's the account manager and I'm showing him all this, this, this art from this guy. And he's like, Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Can we do like this sort of small world on the Potomac vibe? And so on the plane, on the way home, I was, I was doing sketches and just sort of layouts for, for what sort like wall treatments could look like, like big illustrations on the walls and stuff like that. And, uh, I was showing them to him yesterday and he was, he was like, yeah, that's really good reference. Where'd you find the reference? I'm like, no, dude, I drew that on the plane. Like, this yeah. is what we should <laughs> do for the thing. And he's like, oh my gosh, it's so awesome. Yeah, let's do that in the yeah. hall of hallways. Uh, so yeah, thanks. Thanks, Joey, too. I'll steal your art till the day I die. Uh, well, I'm going to steal it. Try, try, to, try, to, try to honor it. Try to homage it. Well, one of the things that intrigued me... Um, and one of the reasons that I hired you to begin with, I was loving this uh, little family pet project that you were doing for the the Strader family. That uh, I don't know if it was the Joey Chi reference or it reminded me of like a shag yeah. type uh, fun fun map. Uh, tell tell us about that little labor of love. Yeah, that was for uh, my buddy Jimmy Strader in in Florida. I, I met him through a friend of a friend while I worked in Florida, and uh, he he stayed in contact a little bit on the the social medias. And just sends me little messages here and there when he sees stuff they likes or like, oh, hey, man, that's really cool. I thought that was awesome. How you doing? And then uh, he commissioned me to design. He was doing this cool mid-century modern art uh, office sort of thing. And it kind of had this shag vibe to it. And he wanted to put a big theme park map on one of the walls, but sort of this shag mid-century modern style. And uh so I, I chatted with him a little bit about because that's a big undertaking. It's like designing a whole theme park, right? Because he, he if you're wants, gonna do it right, yeah. right? If you're gonna do it right, it's it's designing a whole theme park, and I did. I wanted to do it right, and he was he was paying me, and I wanted I wanted him to like it, and 
and everything. So, but that's, I chatted with him a little bit and he, he had a couple things. I was just trying to pick his brain about what he, what he wanted. And he was like, uh, like I, I like these things, and I, but I really don't care. Like if you just kind of do what you want, do whatever you want. And that's the most daunting thing in the world is, is, is to, uh, to not have any, any constraints. Yeah, no budget, no <laughs> yeah, schedule yeah, constraints. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> I could spend the next ten years working on this, dude. Yeah. Like that's stressful. Uh, and I, I didn't really know what the timeline was going to be on it, and he didn't really care. So it was, so it was just kind of like whenever, whenever, whenever you, uh, whenever you can get it done. And I was spinning my wheels for such a long time, like, and I sent him one of the. Cause I, was, I was working on it on my iPad Pro just to do a sketch before I started to do the color version, and I would do like I would draw the whole thing, and then I would like erase it, and then start over, draw the whole thing, and like erase it and start <laughs> over because I just couldn't like just the general layout, you know, trying to get trying to get it right. And it's totally a rip off of Disneyland because you know that's that's what's lodged in my brain. But there's like a futuristic land called that looks like the Jetsons, and there's a, an adventure land, but it's just pirates and dinosaurs because that's what I like. And <laughs> so it was basically like my ultimate theme park. It was it was more or less a riff on the the same thing I did for my portfolio, but it was this mid century modern style. And for he kept shooting me Facebook messages like a week later, a couple weeks later, like how's it coming? How's it coming? And I'm just like, it's never gonna be done. Stop asking me. <laughs> uh, so I think eventually he 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 got the 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 vibe that it was gonna take me a long time. But yeah, I I, I designed the whole thing and he printed it out and I gave him a little guide map. For each land where I sort of laid the land out individually on pieces of paper and or not uh, on, on documents that I sent to him and had the breakdown of the restaurants and the shops and, and the rides and what all the rides were. And uh, it was so much fun. I loved doing it. And it was just like all of my lunches and free time for a couple months. Well, again, <laughs> that infectious kind of just passion and uh, labor of love yeah. is something that uh, I think really resonated with me beyond it just being kind of, uh, you know, contracted work that you're yeah, delivering the goods, you know? Um, <laughs> but, uh, so with, uh, with the, the amazing diverse, um, kind of crowd, uh, and the Motley crew of, of cast of characters that you've had to, to work with, uh, both on the creative side, on the project management side, the client side, um, what are some, uh, kind of either common, you know, people types or keys to success that you've seen in terms of project teams that, you know, kind of, you know, avoid the sideways energy and, and, and drama and rabbit trails versus the teams that kind of move, uh, you know, pretty, pretty solid towards a North Star that everyone can believe in. Well, I think it's and it's definitely like this, like a lot of a lot of teams at WDI and and definitely at Storyland. But there's there's a certain level of non ego and just people just wanting to have a good time and working on stuff that they enjoy doing. And it really helps when it is the fun stuff, like this Avengers thing that we're doing. It's kind of just everybody just wants it to be as awesome as possible. And when we can all just sit around and look over each other's shoulders and be like, dude, that's so awesome. And I, I want to I wanna help with that. Or like, how can I make that more, more awesome? Or uh, I think it's just kind of, yeah, enthusiasm, sort of low-key energy. And everybody in the industry, at least on the sort of the, the creative side, everybody I've worked with is sort of, more or less uh, a fanboy of whatever it is that we're working on at any given time. And, and even, even the stuff that's not related to a big IP, like some of these nonprofit uh, projects where it's like doing a kid's area, kind of creating just, your designing own a cool teen ways. space. Yeah. yeah. And, and relying on taking, taking a lot of the stuff that we love to do and, and, and the things we enjoy, like, like, uh, 
Johnny over at Storyland loves loves the uh, the hover cars and and gets the hover car into any project that he can. And there's a few uh, Boba Fetts. And yeah, <laughs> he loves cars. he loves the Boba Fetts and the hover cars <laughs> and the so just finding a way to bring those into into any project. And and he's so excited about it. I think he gets everybody else just really excited about it. Like anytime I talk to him about anything. He gets so excited. I think you've just unleashed an entire Disney legal team of lawyers to every project we've ever done. <laughs> oh, no. it's hidden Boba Fett. Oh, oh my Thanks gosh. a lot, bro. <laughs> please, please, don't look too deep. You don't, um, you don't want to find him. Uh, but yeah, it's just great working with people that are so excited to be working on what they're working on, and and uh, I, I think that's I think that's the key to success. Sort of is no ego, and everybody just having a good time and cranking stuff out. Yeah, the, the the lack of politics really helps. And sometimes that almost doesn't seem, you know, likely or real in, in certain corporate cultures and stuff. But right. uh, it is it is possible. And that's why I, I, I've I, I enjoy I've enjoyed working a little bit at the at the smaller places just because there is so much less red tape and there is so much less politics. And uh, and it's generally just a much more easygoing, relaxed experience, even, even, even if the stakes are high and, and whatnot, I think it's, if it has more of that family feel and everybody can kind of just get behind, get behind it and, and work towards an end goal, it's just, a, it's a good feeling and it's a nice place to exist. And kind of as a creative executive, that's kind of one of the, the roles that I think is pretty uh, important too, is key, keeping kind of the, the creative and design team creative and yeah, not yeah. not uh and somewhat shielded i mean guys like marty sklar that was definitely some of the strength uh, kind of unheralded strengths of of kind of almost um kind of dealing with all that stuff uh and kind of shielding the team from it and kind of um making sure the team is able to stay focused and, and having fun and, and that was actually one thing i really liked when i was working on the avatar stuff that alex always uh like he, that was his role and he saw it as my role. Alex Wright was like to protect me from all of right. the, the red tapey stuff. Like you just sit there and draw and get stuff done yeah. and I'll go sit in these meetings and listen to, to the, the people talk the yeah. talk. And cause I was like, do you need me to come to that meeting? Do I need to be in that meeting? And he's like, no dude, I got this. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I really think of it as like a, there used to be a role called, like the shield bearer. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that's right. right. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, uh, or armor bearer or something. <laughs> uh, Laura Yunkin, who was also the producer on the boat ride, like they worked together and I felt like that was kind of their job as like I was hunkered down in the bunker and they were taking all the flack from from above right. and I was just trying to get get the stuff done while they uh, while they had to manage all of the the the, the politicking so that uh, was good so we were just talking about landing our uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge uh, reservations oh, that's right um, you're not you're not excited about that are you no not at all <laughs> I, I wasn't I wasn't up all night the night before online <laughs> refreshing my computer to make sure I was there at 8, 8 a.m. Yeah. But no, yeah, my wife, my wife took that on because I had to go to work. But she was, she was, she was excited about it. So we're going June fourth, June fourth, oh, and nice. I can't, I can't wait. June the fourth be with you. June the fourth be with you. And she's, <laughs> we're going with her family. Her, her uh, there's six of us. They bought T-shirts, which I didn't know till the other day. They're Mickey Mouse, but it's like one year is the Death Star, the other one's a Millennium Falcon, and then the whole face is filled in with other Star Wars yeah. stuff, and. Uh, there's six of us, which is perfect to, to fly the Millennium Falcon, right? But my wife can't do it because she's pregnant. She's oh, like eight months pregnant. And Congratulations. So, thank you. Very excited. You'll second, get a single rider with second you. Second baby. <laughs> Whoa, oh, yeah. <laughs> work, we should work the system and get a rider switch pass, even yes. though the baby's not born yet. Um, <laughs> um, 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 yeah, so we'll get a single rider with us. Yeah, you're right. Uh, 
but yeah, so excited. Can't wait. Even if we don't even get to go on the ride, I'll just be happy to like be in there for five minutes. Or I wonder how they're going to do it all because it's four it's four hour windows. Yeah. So how do they kick you out after four hours? Well, whether it's wristbands or or some sort of way to even even move people through the story from one end of the uh, the oh, land to another because they do overlap. The right. the right the times overlap. Right, so right, right. There will be at some point two groups in. In, within the land at the same time. Yeah. So um, May the 4th, one of our national holidays yeah. at Storyland Studios. Yes. Were you yeah, able yeah, to yeah. make it in or were you on the road? No, no, I was there. And that was actually a ton of fun. Uh, we made the t- we screen printed the t-shirts with the Millennium Falcon. Uh, everybody, I ruined my shirt because everybody before me was going too hard and it was it was making the shirts a little too inky so I went too soft and then I had to do it again and then it was like really Over. screwed up after <laughs> I did it again but no my shirt it, it's okay it was really cool um, uh, Millennium Falcon design on the t-shirts and then we played uh, then we played volleyball with inflatable Death Stars for a really long time and I got really hot and gross and sweaty uh, but it was fun yeah we tacos it's like a combo of Cinco de Mayo and, yep, and yep. Uh, May the it's Fourth a, be a with magic, you magical one Wonderful combo of uh, it's a Mexican Star Wars party. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's no wonder it, that Star Wars: New Hope started with a cantina. That's that's all Hey-o. part of the game. Oh, it's all Ooh. making sense. <laughs> it's all coming together. That's cool. Awesome. Well, what are you excited about? What's where's the future of the industry going? Um, we we kind of have a unique vantage point and uh, position um, with getting to work with so many kind of unique and creative visionaries and entrepreneurs and. And leaders love to get your take on that. I mean, I I would talk about this with with the people at Mousetrap a lot of like of there's this weird there's this weird sweet spot where that's it's like people people want to have all the want to have this personalized experience. It's like they're on an adventure and they're doing the thing, which is why I'm very curious to see what Star Wars Land is going to turn out like if if that's gonna if that's gonna hit the nail on the head. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, there's like, well, there's like the escape room thing where you feel like you're doing it, you're doing it, and the, the high end escape rooms where it's got the really, really high production value. I, I just, I love those because it totally feels like you're in an adventure for an hour or, or whatever it happens to be. And there's some sweet spot in there where it's like you're gonna kind of line the escape room up with the operational hourly ride capacity or whatever that Star Wars Land is gonna have with this this really small intimate, intimate experience yeah. that I think is gonna blow people's minds where you really feel like you are on an adventure. And you actually, the whole interactivity thing is great, but I think all that means in these days is like you shoot a gun at a thing. And I, I especially when you have to do it on a big scale, so I'm very curious as to how the interactive where you're actually influencing the adventure how we all find a way to sort of create that on a big scale where it's not just shooting guns at stuff but I think the void I haven't done the void yet I keep meaning to and then it keeps not working out but I I hear the void is a really cool take on that because it's kind of an escape room but you have the really the really high quality feel but you still have to wear the thing on your head Um, so it's like what's the version of the void where you get to do the Star Wars thing but you don't have to wear the thing on your head so I don't know what do you guys think yeah, I, I'm I'm fascinated with the idea that the, that from the very simple like a like an escape room to something like the way Knott's Berry Farm does the uh, Ghost Town Alive thing, where at least by that everybody's on a schedule, right? And so the the folks who have to work it, they don't have an IP that they're stuck to, so they just 
they just play their character right. and they know that at one o'clock the hanging starts or right. whatever that happens to be. The the judge is going to come out and pronounce sentence, right? Right. So they all know to be in places when they're supposed to be. Right. You, you ramp that up into something like a Harry Potter or a Star Wars situation. And now it's got to be it's got to be computerized. It's got to be uh, if somebody is going to change one thing in the process, in the story. If yeah. One, if if you guessed number four hundred and seventy five can change the way this whole thing goes, it's got to be spread throughout the entire uh, organization. And I think um, I think. I think the technology's there. Mm-hmm. Um, we we can get on our phone. My son, my fo- my son just started uh, uh, what, uh, where you can deliver food. It's like the Uber of food. What does it? What's uh, it called? Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so anyway, all the time. Uber Eats. Uber no. Eats. So it's it's like that. Yeah. But anyway, he just goes out and they know where he is at any given time. They know when he's arrived. He, they, they know when the food has been picked up and when it's been dropped off. Yeah. Well. Same thing with way is on our phones. It the information is being told to everybody, yeah, all at once. And I think that that is where full on experiential uh, design, where we have an impact on what what the outcome is, is gonna is is where it could go. Yeah, I don't know if I'd like that. I don't know if I want to be that complicated. Right. Until I see it. And then I might say there's no other way to be, you know? Because there's part of me that does want to have that influence, but yeah. then that also stresses me out a little bit, like the Millennium Falcon ride. I'm like, wh- like I kind of want to just have a passive experience and pretend that I did a really good job and that yeah. I am the hero, uh, like on Star Tours, yeah. you know, kind of like, you, or Indiana Jones, like pretend you're driving the vehicle and That's everything right. turns out okay, as opposed to actually piloting a vehicle <laughs> yeah, where things can go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, and, and things could go wrong and... It, I could have less of an experience than they really intended for me to. Right. I don't want right. to. I don't want to just like land on the planet and have everybody say, "Well, that was boring." Yeah, yeah, because totally. <laughs> that's what I would well, do. I'd escape from when you right. failed to escape. Right. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, that was great. Uh, we never got out. We right. don't get to get the selfie. Right. I think there's a triple threat kind of in a lot of ways. Galaxy's Edge will be kind of a taste test preview. I I, I think of it as, you know, there's a, a bar that's been reached with uh, whether it's Wizarding World of Harry Potter, yeah. uh, Pandora, Galaxy's Edge of of this immersive environmental design. Yeah. Uh, and the, I, by the way, I, I, I know not that it's like these $500 million plus production values. I mean, I think you find that in some of these living history museums, that's totally. um, you know, from colonial Williamsburg to, oh, yeah. we just had the kids up at tombstone. I yeah. mean, that's very from ghost town. Just, you can have these amazingly just naturalistic, low key, low tech settings, but still be completely immersed because of the actual historical patina right. that's there. But I think that idea of this, uh, killer immersive environment layered with um, the the layer of digital techno, you know, storytelling yeah. where it's not t- totally intrusive, like right. I said, like a full VR goggle, but maybe it's augmented reality. Maybe it is somehow using a smart device, but basically that, that layer of, of digital storytelling. Uh, but then the third thing is kind of the low tech aspect of, of actors. Right. <laughs> what do right, you know? Right, what do you know? Right, yeah. of, of actually having, um, uh, whether it's professional actors or just the shopkeeper that kind of knows their backstory yeah. and, and the role and, and they, they're they able to be in character and just kind of compl- continue. So again, that low tech thing of going to Colonial Williamsburg, you know, or I was in a, a Plymouth plantation, you know, and talk, asking questions and, you know, of the blacksmith or the, whoever, oh, the basket that. weaver, and <laughs> they, they will not break character yeah, and they right. will not, you know, you reference something that is of the 20th 
first century and, and then like what? look at you like you're demon possessed or something <laughs> like what are you talking about i love it and it's you know for them to understand that kind of role of the game and role of the universe it doesn't take these great acting skills yeah. but they've they've been trained and immersed so i think it's it's kind of fun this this next step evolution in kind of where the industry is going and and again we're seeing that at all scales again from that that global theme park scale for a Disney Universal all the way down to a local, uh, you know, natural history museum that's yeah. getting ready to open up to a, um, a nonprofit children's, you know, uh, education development center. Um, so it's kind of fun to see that at all these different budget scopes and scales. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So I can see the sweat pouring from your forehead and, oh, uh, come on. <laughs> and the, that's not that bad. <laughs> the deadline. So, uh, what, what would you, uh, you know, I'll let you get back to, uh, that, uh, insane, uh, whip cracking, uh, intense blue oh, yeah, sky I know. schedule, Tell but, me about it. um, <laughs> it, you know, if you could speak to, uh, again, kind of, uh, next gen, maybe you already have, uh, had some chances to teach and stuff, but you know, for that, uh, that speaking to yourself when you were that 14 year old, which you could be uh, a, an Imagineer, a spatial storyteller, as we call it, um, just uh, getting into the industry. What, what advice would you give to your uh, two-decade earlier version of uh, <laughs> Mike? Chill out. Oh. Take a deep breath. And I, I, I think you hear, you hear people say this, so it's, it's kind of trite, but it's um, just to, to do what you like you want to design theme park rides like you're a 15 16 year old student or like 20 you're in college you want to design theme park rides or anything you want to make movies just start making movies regardless of whether or not you're being paid for it just start making theme park rides like when like when I was a kid it, it wasn't like I have to wait and until I'm hired by whatever company. It's just like my garage was always filled with models and props and things I was making. Just do the thing you want to do. Yeah. And at some point, somebody's going to notice your passion or enthusiasm for it and, and, and pay you to do it. Uh, and it's like, like like being in grad school and just and just like turning every project into a theme park project and then having a theme park portfolio when I when I left. So I just always be creating and always be making stuff and doing things and doing what you're passionate about. And uh, if you're passionate enough about it, I, you'll find ways to do it. And uh, uh, I think it will just there's there's nothing it won't do, but at least like set you up for success. It'll at least it'll it'll give you a lot of a lot of good a lot of good background and a lot of good experience, even just, you know, doing, doing it in your, your garage. You're going to learn a lot about what to do and what not to do. And, um, yeah, I'm grateful that, uh, I was homeschooled and my mom just let me build theme parks in my garage for until <laughs> I went to high that school. Awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. great. So thanks mom. <laughs> well, Mike, everyone that's had, uh, the, the opportunity to, to work with you, but more importantly, to know know you and to hang out with you has kind of captured, uh, again, some of that infectious sense of, of passion you have for uh, what you do. And, and you Thanks. make it just a much funner place to, to a funner sandbox to, to be in. So thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Thanks, thanks for man. Uh, taking the, the time away from the uh, impending deadline of a <laughs> project uh, presentation. Um, and uh, yeah, look forward to having you on in future podcasts and sharing the next journeys and sharing uh, your thoughts and insights on Galaxy's Edge yeah. once you've <laughs> experienced that. So. Likewise, likewise. It's been, it's been a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you so much, Mike. Great to have you on. High fives all around. High fives. <laughs> what, a, what a ball of energy. Uh, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about Mike is that uh, unlike a, a lot of uh, guys in our industry that uh, have spent uh, 
you know, a decade or so of brain damage and pour their heart soul <laughs> in the yeah. stuff that to, to see it left by the wayside. Mike still has that passionate uh, fan boys, uh, you know, wiring and energy and, and uh, the excitement that, uh, you know, he showed when uh, he was gearing up to, to step foot into Galaxy's Edge. And, yeah, and that's uh, right. you know, as he's been able to kind of just get geeked out over some of the projects that we've been able to collaborate on. That is so refreshing and so fun. It really is. Um, there's an excitement to it that really comes out in his work. He 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 believes in the stories that are being told, and so he ju- he jumps right in uh, with both feet. It's really exciting. To, yeah, and to that energy is really contagious to the entire team. Everybody just loves you know working and collaborating and hanging with him. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Mel, this has been a fun ride with Mike, uh, but we need to head back to the dock. The tide is turning. So what say we follow the tide and head back to the dock? Let's go. All right. Thanks, folks, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. The Themed Attraction Podcast is hosted by Freddie Martin and Mel McGowan. We're so grateful you took the time to listen to our show. Because of you, we're able to do what we do, and we can't thank you enough. Would you do us one more favor and leave us a positive review on iTunes Podcasts? This helps us get the word out and share the show with so many more creative people like you. We want to thank our guest, Mike Schwalm. Follow Mike on Instagram at Mike Schwalmart or Twitter at Michael J. Schwalm. Or check out some of his illustrations at mikeschwalm.blogspot.com. Get access to more stories and interviews at themedattraction.com. An insider's look at theme park design by theme park designers. Follow the action on Twitter and Instagram at themedattraction. Connect with Mel by email via mel at storylandstudios.com or follow him on Twitter at Mel McGowan and Instagram at Visioneer. You can find me at freddymartin.net and follow my adventures at Skipper Freddy on Instagram and Twitter. Our theme music was composed by Rob Watson, other music provided by The Lost Dogs. This episode was designed and produced by the one and only Dr. Barry Hill. Find him at barryrhill.com. You know, Mel, Barry once told me his trick for staying hydrated in the jungle. He said if you're thirsty, all you got to do is find three toucans. You see, three toucans makes a six-pack. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs>